You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the home for those looking for expertise and inspiration on all things Western big game hunting. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 38, where we talk with Luke, Brink, and Dan of Fob Archery. Hello, how's it going, guys? Thanks again for tuning into the Transition Wild podcast, hosted on the Sportsman's Nation podcast network. I'm just so happy. I'm happy right now to be home recording this episode at my house, where I don't have anything else going on, because I've been on the road for the last... Uh, well, I, I didn't just get home. I got home about a week ago, but I've been on the road for 28 days straight for quiet cat shows, meetings, uh, travel in between. And, and it was just a grind. It was truly a grind. And I'm, I'm just thankful to be home and getting caught up and having fun and the weather's getting a little bit warmer. So that's always cool. So I'm just enjoying that right now. And, and, uh, recently I, attended one of the shows and on the last stop of the tour I had ran into the guys from Fob Archery and what's funny is the show prior I was walking around to some of the booths and I saw this booth that had these unique fletchings on their arrows in some of their marketing and I was like huh that's kind of different that's that's unique I've never seen that before and I didn't really think anything about it and then come to find out, I go to the next show, and around the corner from our booth is that exact company, and it's called Fob Archery. And to give you the 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 low the lowdown, I guess is it's it's a innovative fletching design for arrows. It's easier. Um, there's no glue. There's no um, kind of prep work on that side. Um, it's got some unique characteristics for airfoil and um, flight and broadhead stabilization, and it's got a unique feature that the the fletching actually comes off on a on a pass through, which kind of kind of neat marks where you actually shot the animal at if you were to get a pass through. So, it's it's pretty different. It's 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 really cool. I have yet to actually shoot them, but after talking with the guys and getting to know them, really cool dudes. Um, they explained everything. I did some research online about the company. I went on forums. I, I let a, I read a ton of positive reviews 
on this product. And, and I was like, you know what? I should have these guys on the podcast. So here we are today. Um, it's, it, was, it was really cool talking with the guys, uh, Luke, Dan, and Brink of Fob Archery. And they have been generous to take part in a giveaway. So if you're interested and you kind of like what you hear, you want to try them out for yourself, make sure to tune in to the entire episode because we're going to show you how to win a pack of fobs. It's uh, 12 of them in a pack. So pretty cool stuff. And um, stick around even later than that. We'll we'll get you a discount code as well. If you're if you if you're one of those people who don't win the contest, hey, you're going to have a discount code to uh, pick up a pack of your own and try them out for yourself. So this has been a fun episode. Uh, let's not wait any longer. Let's get the guys from Fob Archery on the line. All right, on the line with us now, we have Luke, Brink, and Dan from Fob Archery. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, man. Rock and rolling. All right. Yeah, appreciate you guys taking the time to jump on here today. We'd recently met here a few weeks back at the Reno show, well, NABA show in Reno, Nevada, and uh, it was it was cool hanging out with you guys, and I had some booth troubles, and I had a little extra time to walk around and ended up running into you guys. So it's, I'm glad to have you on. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. No problem at all. No problem at all. So what have you guys been up to since the the show? Are you guys uh, slamming out some orders, getting prepped for turkey season? You've been hunting? What's, what's, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, we've been uh, trying to chase some pigs on some public land here in South Carolina. Um, fortunately for us, we live about 10 minutes away from about 8,000 acres um, and, you know, got a decent amount of pigs on it. So uh, pig season just ended because you can only hunt uh, pigs whenever something else is in season. Um, but fortunately for us, turkey season is about to start uh, April 1 on public land and actually March 15th. 20th. March 20th. March 20th. Yeah, sorry. Nice. We're about to start gearing up for turkey season and, and listening for some birds. So. Heck yeah. Yeah, it's right yep. right around the corner. And and do you guys mainly stick to South Carolina there or do you guys travel out of state? Uh South Carolina and Virginia. I've got family in Virginia. I'll go up there every now and then get a turkey on in, but turkey hunting's great here, so no need to go anywhere else. Right. <laughs> what For about sure. out west? What uh what's going on this time of year, your direction? You know, not a not a whole lot. I think turkey season opens up in April here, and everything around us right in our immediate area is all draw, but some of the western sides of the state, some of those units over there are over the counter. So I'm sure I'll get out one or two days and, and chase some birds, but you can't really start shed hunting now, or you're not supposed to. It's it's not legal to shed hunt until after May 1st now. They passed some antler hunting restrictions last year. So I'm kind of just um, waiting around, waiting for the snow to melt off because it's sure keeps piling up, but can't wait to get out. <laughs> right. You, you, you used the word snow. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys don't know what that is. We've... Uh, We've been getting dumped yeah. on lately. It's pretty wild. I wish I could give some to you guys down there in the south. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how many? Um, you just I guess over the counter or draw for turkeys out there. Uh, do you do you get just the one, or I mean, because here in South Carolina we don't have a draw. Um, it's just they mail you three tags. Um, oh, nice. 
pretty clutch. Yeah, it's it's just one and done here in Colorado. Yeah, sorry forward. about that. <laughs> pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah, I uh, you know, I I like turkeys and I I enjoy chasing them. It just seems like I I can't compared to Michigan or some of the spots I've hunted in the Midwest, it's like, it's a little tough for me to get up at the crack of dawn and go, you know, a mile up a mountainside to go chase a gobble. Um, yeah, I, I just don't have the enthusiasm, um, like I used to. And for some reason I don't really want to travel and, and trudge through some treacherous mountains to go hunt a turkey. So, um, I don't know, maybe I'll get out a few days, but we'll see. Should be good. The topography adds an extra challenge for you. Exactly, exactly. I can't just walk out the back door anymore like I used to in Michigan and and walk a couple hundred yards and be hunting them. It's a little different story out here, but it's all good. For sure. Well, cool. Well, um, well, I just want to kind of kind of leave it to you guys here to to introduce yourselves. But um, so kind of how this all came to be. It was at one show prior to where I'd met you guys, the NBS show. I was across the booth from um, an archery company. They make um, releases and release aids and broadheads, stuff like that. And and in their marketing on their backdrop, I saw these fletchings on the backdrop, and I was like, "Huh, those are those are kind of cool. I've never seen those before." And um, completely different than what I'd ever seen ever in my life and I was like huh that's that's kind of neat never really thought much about it and then I was at the the NABA show like I'd mentioned previous and walked around the corner and lo and behold you guys had a booth set up there so uh, I thought that was pretty neat and got to talking with you guys and and it's truly um, an innovative product and and from what I see and uh, just excited to kind of talk to you guys about it and and we'll let, we'll get into that here in a second but let's start one by one with with you guys we got Luke Brink and Dan on the line so Luke why don't we start with you introduce yourself where you're from and uh, maybe how you got involved with with FOB yeah so um, my name is Luke Harden uh, I'm from Camden South Carolina originally um, and basically how I've gotten involved is um, when I was at Clemson, uh, I was a mechanical engineering major there and, uh, you know, gotten into bow hunting um, early on in college, actually through Brink. Um, I, I'd hunted, but, but just with a rifle. And so Brink got me into bow hunting. And so as I started looking for internships, um, I used FOBs pretty much from day one, uh, again, because, you know, Brink had used them and then some other friends of ours had used them. So that's all I'd ever used. And so, you know, when I was looking for internships, I thought, you know, why not look in the archery industry? So I called, um, called him up and got Paul Morris, who was the former owner and they didn't really have any, you know, paid internships, but I was able to volunteer and create, create a relationship with him and kind of started from there. And, uh, was just catching up one day with him. And, uh, he let me know that, you know, they were kind of looking to pass it on and sell, and um and so here we are so i'll pass it off to, to brink yeah brink bowers south carolina native uh have been hunting since i can remember uh got into bow hunting sometime in high school and kind of went in head over heels in college whenever i stopped playing sports and that's man i can remember 
certain class of getting skipped because the weather was right to be in a deer <laughs> stand. Uh, and I actually, so Fobs, my roommate and I, huge bow hunters, he was always on archery talk and he saw a thread uh, about these fobs and I think the caption below was never fletch an arrow again. And, uh, he said, Hey, you want to try these things out? Uh, sure. So we ordered a couple tubes of them and, uh, that was probably, probably close to 10 years ago now. And, and I, I hadn't shot anything since. Um, I, and, and all we do is look forward to whatever comes in season next. So, Heck yeah. That's a short for me. And then Dan over here. Yep. So Daniel Connor, I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. Similar to Luke, I met uh, Breek at Clemson. He worked for a campus ministry called Campus Outreach. And uh, God, I had never really had any hunting experience or lifestyle beforehand. Uh, and Breek, being such a huge bow hunter, kind of introduced me to this sport, if you will. Um, I remember clearly one night uh, around a bonfire, Brink just started talking about bow hunting. Um, the moment I was kind of sold on it was he said, Dan, listen here, man. If you shoot a deer on a golf course with a bow, nobody will ever find out. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man, this is for me. Uh, Thankfully, they still have it. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's uh, a good so, way to look at um, it. Of course, started shooting off. Go ahead. I said that's a good way to look at it, shooting them on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so got into it. Brink actually bought my first bow for me, kind of against my wishes. But uh, here we are 10 years later and um, been shooting bows, shooting fives uh, ever since. Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's certainly an innovative product. I've yet to, to get my hands on it and, and actually shoot it, but – just one of you guys give us the rundown of, of what FOB is exactly, because it's kind of tough to explain on my part, but just, just give us the high level, and then we'll kind of get into some of the you know advantages and some of the problems you're solving with this innovative fletching. Um, so give us the high-level rundown of it. Yeah, high-level rundown. Uh, like you said, it, it, the first time you saw it, it was super – different looking and, and maybe even we could use the word weird looking because it's so different than what we see as a standard fletching um biggest or one of the biggest sep things that separate it is uh it's there's no glue involved uh there's no shrink wraps there's no heating it or cooling it it literally um slides over the back of the arrow once you remove the knot and then the knock and the fob is press fitted for the knock and you just slide the knock right in. Um, it's a five second install. Uh, if you have a bear shaft arrow, obviously if you've got fletchings on your arrows, you're going to have to strip those off. They are not compatible to work with one another. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, it, it flies an arrow. Great. Uh, that's the very broad overview of it. Super, super easy install. Uh, it flies an arrow great. Um, you do need to have a drop away, fall away arrow rest. Whisker biscuits are a no-go. 
with this thing. Got it. Got it. So now uh, we, we can give. Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, you go ahead. So d- describe it uh, to the listener. Describe a little bit about it. Like it's a, a plastic injection molded piece. It's kind of got a rounded design. Give us a little bit of the 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 image that we can put in people's heads here while listening to the podcast. All right. So for for the listeners out there, if you've never looked at the back of a torpedo, this imagery isn't going to help you. <laughs> but if you've seen the back of a torpedo, there's a, basically a cylindrical, well, a cylinder, uh, a cylinder on the back of this thing that has the propeller inside of that cylinder that, I guess, the torpedo forward. So remove the propeller, and instead of having a propeller within that cylinder, you have three wings in that cylinder. Uh, and these wings are offset at four degrees. Um, so instead of having a fletching, you have a four-degree offset wing inside of a cylinder. Uh, we call that cylinder the annular ring wing, um, and that's the technical term for it. But uh, that's what it looks like. Does it, Adam? Did that did that help you picture it in any way? Yeah, no, that that for sure does, and it's a little bit tough. And and we'll encourage everybody to go to the website and check out Fob Archery. But no, that that paints a good picture in my head. It's it's kind of tough to describe and tough to envision if you've never seen it. But uh, that definitely gives us a good rundown. Cool. So um, so one of the the major things for for me, and you kind of already touched on it. Uh, to begin with here was the ease of install like for myself growing up in Michigan and living in the Midwest I had five archery shops within probably 30 to 45 minutes of my house I move out to Colorado and I'm up in the mountains the nearest archery shop is two hours away and so that's kind of a pain in the ass getting arrows set up and and dealing with fletchings and um, kind of I've got a fletching setup where I can do it myself, but I'm not the best at it. Glue's messy. And then I've tried those shrink uh, kind of wraps that you dip in hot water, but those seem to fall off after, I don't know, <laughs> 20 shots or 20, 30 shots downrange. They're already kind of peeling off. Yeah, um, so, yeah. the, so the biggest thing for me, um, you know, when I saw these, I was like, man, that's that's pretty sweet that you literally can just take your nut take your knock off. If your arrow's stripped, you can pop that thing on, put the knock back on, and you're pretty much ready to go. So the ease of install and kind of setting it up quickly and being able to replace fletchings without any glue or heating or anything like that, it's really neat. Um, that's 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 yeah. definitely a big sell for me. Yeah, right. One of the biggest drivers behind why we like shooting these in college was just because we hate fletching arrows. Oh, yeah. We're seeing it right. We always have one arrow shooting wonky that you messed up or <laughs> you had to deal with right now from both shops. And one thing I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and disclaimer. If you love fletchings and you want to shoot fletching for the rest of your life and you absolutely love pulling out your fletching jig and refletching arrows at the beginning of the season. Great. Keep doing that. <laughs> um, we're not saying, we're not here saying fletchings don't fly arrows right. Um, this is just another product that happens to have certain benefits that uh, outweigh, um, well, I don't know, the, 
my words to a certain crowd. Yeah, like we just we hate punching arrows. We hate pulling out glue. We hate pulling out jigs. We hate the time that it takes. Um, and and that's one of the biggest things why we shoot this thing. And I've been shooting it again almost ten years now. Um, there are actual some some fight benefits to this thing as well, and we can get into that now or whenever you want. Yeah, to do, yeah. But, why don't we jump into that? Cause that's one of the, th- you basically have three big benefits, um, on your website. The one being ease of install. Uh, the next one be, uh, kind of the, the crosswind, uh, effect on it. It is a round tubular or round cylinder design. Um, talk to us a bit, how maybe it flies downwind, how downwind a lot better and, and how it's more aerodynamic in that sense. Yeah. So first of all, there's actually kind of four, but we don't have fourth on our website quite yet. Um, that would be just broadhead stabilization. But um, <clears throat> going on to the crosswind effects. Um, so as you can imagine, and and for the the listeners that uh, had a hard time, kind of still had a hard time after Brink uh, described it. Once you go to the website, you'll you'll kind of see. But it, it, from the side, I mean, we even got a little illustration there for you to see. From the side. Um, you know, the cross-sectional area is much less than a traditional fletching. Um, and so that right there alone uh, is um, less for the wind to actually push on if you're hunting in an area with high winds. Um, the other thing is that as a, a traditionally fletched uh, arrow spins, you're going to get to where uh, that arrow is going to orient itself where those veins are not aerodynamic to that crosswind. Um, and they're going to act as kind of a sail, um, and that's going to push on that arrow. Um, whereas the fobs, uh, the outer ring wing blocks those fins, and it's a cylinder, so it's more aerodynamic for the air to just flow up and over. Um, so that's why you see a dramatic um, decrease in crosswind effects with the fobs compared to, um, you know, a blazer or just any other traditional fletching. Got it. That makes that makes total sense. And and you'd mentioned the broadhead stabilization. Is that due to being able to rotate the fletching itself and kind of tune it that way, or how does that work exactly? Yeah. So you can. Well, first of all, they're, they're super easy to index because even when you have a, a an arrow knock, you can just uh, you know spin your arrow. You know if you if you kind of knock it and then realize oh my broadhead is not the right orientation i i'm in the stand sometimes and i grab my arrow and twist it um while it's knocked and then i'll i'll then grab the fob and kind of twist it to make sure they're all indexed um but the other reason really is and you just see the benefit a little bit more when you actually use a broadhead you're still going to get um a little bit better stabilization even with the field point um but it's going to exaggerate itself just like it will with uh, with traditional fleshings when you you have a broadhead. So as the arrow flexes and, and that broadhead is going to try to steer it out of its path, um, you know, uh, more, the the fob, that outer ring wing is kind of what what really drives that stability because it can it can provide that stability in any given direction that it needs to as the arrow flexes during flight. That makes sense. Right. And one thing I'd like to add is, I'm not an engineer, so Luke, correct me if I'm saying anything wrong here. Um, but each each wing within the annular ring wing has an airfoil shape, 
mm-hmm. two uh, two wing that um, kind of is similar to the, the shape or the concave look of uh, a um, plain wing, and so that caused lift, which generates more rotational torque uh, and more spin from the arrow, which also helps with stability and causes instant rotation once yeah. the arrow yeah. leaves uh, the bowstring. Yeah, he's right. So, you know, the off the string, you're going to see faster stabilization because just like he was saying, you're going to get a, a higher spin rate off the, um, off the string. Now don't be confused. It will. Uh, and I think you, you might've, uh, asked this just a little bit later, but it will slow down your arrow just a hair. Um, because essentially you're adding extra drag with that outer ring wing. However, in our eyes, it's not so substantial that it, it, it makes that big of a difference to us. And, and for us, we'd rather, well, first of all, we're, we are more of guys that shoot heavy arrow setups, um, but um, rather than speed setups. But um, we'd much rather take an accurate ethical shot than just be shooting a you know, laser um, of an arrow. So for us, that's not a huge deal at all. And, and our current customers, the same thing. Yeah, that that makes total sense, and that that kind of plays into the design feature of the fletching itself or the fob. Um, is that when you hit the animal, uh, you know, you get that pass through the knock, and the fob actually pops off. Um, does that kind of help with penetration as well, since you don't have as much resistance going through, or is that kind of negligible? So. <clears throat> At this point, we haven't conducted any studies, uh, so I, I don't want to give you, yeah, definitely, man, it's less <laughs> resistance on that arrow as it's going through. But, I mean, there's a reality, like, okay, it takes a certain amount of force to force that fob off the back of the arrow, but then you also think about a fully-fledged arrow going through an animal. There's a certain amount of drag that those fletchings put on the arrow as it goes through, we don't have numbers on that. Um, I do know this, that I think every deer I've ever shot in my life in South Carolina, I've gotten full pass-throughs on. Um, that doesn't give us any quantifiable <laughs> evidence, but um, I know it doesn't make it not happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I would even say, I mean, without – having you know solid scientific evidence um that it it i would guess from my engineering background that it, it would have um it would pass through easy easier because you've got three fletchings that are essentially dragging through meat versus the little bit of force that it requires to pop that fob off um now if your knocks are like hella tight you know maybe but you know obviously any any smart smart guy or, or, or lady is not going to have their their knocks, you know, extremely tight while they're using fobs. So, yeah. Um, one thing I'd like to add is we we are talking to uh, folks at Clemson University about per- performing some of these tests and getting some scientific numbers around crosswind drift uh, and you know a, a few other these performance features because we want to know too as far as how they compare. Um, like for instance, crosswind drift. The former uh, owner of fob advertised. 70% um, less crosswind drift, and, you know, we want to 
get some nice data around that as well. Just so, you yeah. know, we're confident in the performance of our product. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we don't want to just spit out numbers and, and, you know, I, I, honestly, we love fall. I have no idea where that number came from. So we just want to make sure we get some scientific backing um, to, to whatever we start marketing and putting out there. But um, I guess kind of moving on, like just in, in one to hit about it popping off. Um, so the knot will stay with your fob when you do uh, get a pass through and it pops off. Um, and typically, uh, you're going to see it pop off and land anywhere from, I don't know, you know, max maybe 10 feet from where the pass through happened. And that's the maximum. I've seen it literally where it's dropped right below and then I look over three feet three feet from the fob is where blood starts um so there's a range there but it's it's going to kind of tell you where um where to start looking for blood and um and you, you're not going to really lose knock because they're they're made to be pressed in with the fob so yeah the, I thought that was pretty cool that that it does pop off at first I didn't know what to really think of it I was like huh that's kind of that's kind of weird but after I thought about it I was like it you know how many times you do get that pass through and you either can't find your arrow um, or you're in some tall grass yeah. and you can't really get a get a line on a blood trail um, with that kind of fluorescent color standing out that's gonna show give you a better indicator of, of where you actually hit that animal so you can start kind of going after it so I thought that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I'll, I'll even add another thought on that. Like uh, 90% of the, well, 95% of the deer that we're shooting here, I'm in a, in a deer stand shooting down on an animal. Uh, and I can usually find my arrow and my fob within three to five feet of each other. And, you know, you find your arrow, well, of course, you know where it starts trailing for blood. Um, but when I shoot turkeys, or even pigs from the ground, and I've shot a few deer from the ground, my arrow has gone sailing through that deer or turkey or pig, and it's 15 yards behind where I shot that thing, uh, and my fob's still sitting only a few feet away away from where I shot that animal. Um, and I know out west there's tons of spotting and stalking. Um, it, I would think that it would be, uh, beneficial for finding where your impact was on an animal out there, especially, you know, you're shooting at an animal and your arrow ends up 15, 20 yards behind it. Um, I, I mean, again, I've never hunted out West, uh, but you're shooting down on an animal, but the hill keeps going down behind it. I, I've heard stories about the arrow being 50 yards away from where you shot the animal. Oh yeah. I uh, have never experienced that myself. Yeah, it can definitely happen. Yeah. I, I know when I was hunting, even out of a tree stand out in Oklahoma this past fall, I, just the river bottoms I was hunting in, and this is in Kansas too, it's like these kind of uh, tall grass, but there's no like no like kind of leaves or, or plant vegetation on them, uh, especially in November. Yeah. So it's like, it's really hard to, to find blood uh, anyways, and it's tough to find your arrow. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it just seems like it'd be a good setup for, like you said, on the ground, pass-throughs where that arrow's sailing a little bit further, or in those areas where, you know, you might you might have an arrow go into some brush or some, some weeds, CRP grass, whatever. Yeah. So you talked a little bit on, on kind of the – 
the bow setup itself, you said it's only compatible with uh, drop away rests. Um, are there any other limitations as far as like knock setup, like knock size, arrow diameters? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so also we, we've gotten this question a little bit um, just through emails and social media and that sort of stuff. Uh, it does not work with crossbows. Okay, um, got it. So something that, that may, may or may not be obvious, but we just, you know, want to let listeners know it does not work with crossbows. The other limitations um, we have, so uh, I'll start with that. We have uh, fobs made for standard diameter arrows, which is uh, if you're talking inches, that's a, uh, 0.244 to 2.46 in that range, and basically you're not inches. Yeah. Okay. It, it's 0.244 to 2.46 inches, um, and then your uh, basically your H knock arrows, which are your six millimeter. Um, I think that's a 0.236 um, in that range, and all this information is also on our website. And then um, so X knocks which is a five millimeter arrow and then um, Epergy Knox, which is a four millimeter um, arrow. So we've got all four of those sizes. Um, so we pretty much cover every single arrow. There are a couple that we don't um, cover um, and that are in the market. They're just kind of oddballs. Um, but <clears throat> outside of that, so we cover pretty much every arrow from a bow setup standpoint. Um, there are some people that uh, cannot use fobs, and that is mainly because um, since the, the fob is so far back on the arrow, um, with and it, and it really depends, um, and, and we, there's not a hard and fast, like if you shoot this, this uh, axle to axle or this drawing or, you know, whatever, that you're not going to be able to use them. It just kind of depends on your setup. So basically what happens is at full draw, at, uh, depending on your setup, you may get what we call string inch, where the string at full draw actually touches uh, your fob. Um, so there's a couple uh, fixes to that. One, you can simply buy longer knocks, um, or um, you could also put uh, knock points inside your D loop to widen it. So we've seen guys do that, and that you know pretty much fixes it. Um, but there are certain circumstances where your setup just it, it you can't do either of those things, or even both of those things, and it fixed it. Um, so we're working on, you know, the development of possibly a fix for that because we definitely want to open our product up to as much of the market as we can. Um, but that's kind of TBD right now. Yeah. Right now, I mean, the vast majority of people can shoot these ready to go, but there yeah. is a uh, percentage of folks that might have the string pinch issues. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, it's not going to be necessarily for every setup um, and definitely not crossbows, but we don't care about those guys. So, um, <laughs> we <Yeah>. can... <laughs> You said it, we did. Hey, uh, no comment there. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I love you crossbow guys, but I, I just don't shoot it. So um, so sounds like it's going to work with majority of setups. And and one of the things that you kind of talk about on your site and, and getting everything set up is is clearance testing. Kind of walk us through that and what kind of that process of, you know, hey, maybe I've got the right setup. I've got a, a drop away rest. I've got the right arrow size. Um, talk about the clearance testing and, and what you kind of got to do to to get a good setup where you can start shooting these um, just like your normal fletchings. Yeah. All right. So 
clearance. Um, the when we when we sell or when somebody comes to our website they purchase a tube of fobs uh within that tube what pack a pack whatever a pack of fobs that <laughs> happens to look like a tube um when when they purchase fobs from us within that package comes a clearance tester uh the clearance tester is uh it's designed so it can slide up and down the shaft of your arrow um and the whole reason for that is we want you to be able to put your arrow on your bow. Uh, most, a lot of arrow rests or fall away arrow rests nowadays can be locked in the upright position. Not all of them, but a lot of them can be locked in the upright position. Uh, and, and what we recommend doing is locking that in the upright position, uh, holding the arrow in place with your hand, and then releasing the arrow rest sliding that fob or excuse me the clearance testing fob up and down the shaft of the arrow to make sure you have clearance between your arrow rest and your fob um and let me let me just add too that this is just kind of uh, an extra tool to be extra confident that you're going to get clearance because the reality with our product is that if uh you don't have clearance um or your rest is not timed correctly, and that's obviously you can't see that with a clearance tester. But if if either of those two are the case, then our product is is a is a plastic. It's it's hard. It's not malleable like fletching, like traditional fletching. So you you shoot that, and something is not set up right, and you're going to know it. So it's really uh, just a, an extra tool to be extra confident that your setup is right. Um, but the, but the reality is uh, the fobs are actually a hair smaller in diameter than blazer veins. So theoretically, if your bow is tuned and you've been using blazers and you slap a fob on there and your your rest has been timed right, then you should be good to go. Now, there have been a few cases where guys that really don't didn't know what they were doing and their rest wasn't timed right, <clears throat> they may have gotten some contact, but all they had to do was fix that rest timing and they were golden. Um, so... That again, that clearance tester is just the extra tool to to make sure your setup is is right. Got it. Yeah, and I think to piggyback off, sorry, to piggyback off of Luke, uh, you know, a lot of times with fletchings because they are so flexible, uh, we do talk with guys who are like, "Hey, I'm getting contact, and all it is is a, re- a rest timing issue," and the reality is. Well, he was probably getting contact with his fletchings, uh, and it was leading to less consistent shooting with his fletchings. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to identify that uh, because it's not a rigid material. So, you know, like Luke said, if your rest is timed up properly, uh, there's really aren't, aren't there usually aren't clearance issues. So. Yeah, yeah, that makes there total have sense. Been, there have been instances, too, where there are certain bows on the market that just, you know, you know for example, we, we, we talked with a guy that uh, actually got rid of his Martin bow because it was even contacting his, his fletchings, his traditional fletchings. But, but um, you know, for all intents and purposes, you'll, you'll be good to go. 
Sounds good. Now talk to us about the knock too, like how the knock fitting, is that, is that a pretty important aspect to, you know, um, when it goes to the animal and getting the right sort of resistance or, um, so, so it pops off correctly. How, how does that work? No, I mean, you don't want to knock, but you got to grab a set of pliers to yank out. You don't want it to be that tight. Uh, you want it to be tight enough, obviously, where it's going to put pressure and, and hold everything in place. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose sleep over how, how tight your knock is. I've always just pulled my knocks out, put my fobs on, put my knocks back in, and gone with it. Um, and some are tighter than others. Honestly, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> yeah. I bought some G5 knocks the other day. Good. I, I was just saying, as, as long as it, I would assume everything would be fine as long as it doesn't um, fall off in flight, right? That's the whole thing. I mean, and, and that can happen on a, you know, a yeah. normal arrow. Like you're not, yeah. we've all shot arrows before and the knock's still on the string uh, when you shoot it. Um, so as, as long as it's, it's, it's pretty secure that way, I would imagine it's, it's, it's probably a, a you can have a little bit of tolerance there. Yes. Yeah. Right. I would err on the side of it being tighter. Um, but I did buy some G5 knocks the other day that were just like crazy tight. I couldn't barely get them in and out of the arrow. Uh, so one thing that I did is I took a nail file and just like a couple pass throughs over uh, some of the tighter points in there. And like it was smooth in and out. So that's one additional thought. Perfect. Perfect. Now you talked a little bit about the rigidity of the plastic. How, how durable are these things? I actually watched a video of, of you guys actually running it over in a truck and, and it, and it seemed to be un, unscathed. Talk to us about that. Like if you, if you hit, hit fletchings together, um, can they fly if there's a, a cut in the fob or if there's a broken piece on it, talk to us about the durability and how they work. If there's, um, some damage to the, to the fob itself. Yeah. Uh, they, they can take a lot of abuse. Um, and they do still fly when they are abused and cracked. I've got a few, well, I like to keep my files new, but thankfully we, we have the opportunity where I can just reach in, in, <laughs> a drawer in the back room and I've got as many fobs as I want. Um, but even prior, you know, even prior to us, I guess, jumping in this thing and, and owning it, I would shoot broken and beat up fobs, um, well beyond what would probably be recommended, but they would still fly my arrows and I was still shooting consistent and, and shooting animals with them. Um, I mean, they look ugly when you beat them up, but they honestly, they still fly. The, the least durable portion uh, of the fob, well, I, I guess what would, what would impact your flight most significantly would be if something um, smashed or mushed the annular ring wing and, and instead of having a circle, you had a, more of an oval or an off-shaped uh, cylinder. And, and let me just add, too, that this is only going to happen if, if you're shooting groups. So we actually recommend that, you know, we definitely understand that you're going to probably want to shoot groups when, you, when you're when you tuning your bow, if you're doing some walk-back tuning or just making sure your setup is, is 
you know, dialed in up front. Um, but basically once that happens, we recommend shooting spots. Um, you know, some guys get all um, their panties in a wad about not being able to shoot groups, and that's fine. If that's you, maybe our product's not for you. But um, because or, you're or, strong, or it is or for you, you, for you. you just need to buy some more. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah exactly. Break them. So what's going to break them is you shooting groups, is a fob hitting a fob. Um, and, and, and it's not going to do it. It's not typically not going to happen on the first um, impact. Um, you know, now granted, if you're shooting at 10 yards, maybe it will. Um, but, uh, but we've seen fobs take a, a pretty decent beating shooting groups. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah. There's uh there's some videos on YouTube of some guys like even cutting out sections of the ring wing, the outer part of the cylinder and shooting. And it really, it's surprising how well, uh, the fob still directs your arrow. Uh, even if you have like a whole third of the, uh, outer cylinder taken out. So yeah, pretty cool there. And just a big piggyback on Luke's point, the biggest danger to your fob is another fob. Like, that's probably what's going to end up breaking. It's not going to be an impact on the animal. It's not going to be anything else. Yeah. Uh, Bob and violence needs to be talked about. <laughs> now, and then, Bob lives and then, matter. Human <laughs> Bob lives matter. Yeah. So, so just kind of continuing that a little bit is a chance for us to kind of educate uh, one of our customers that might be listening or potential customers that might be listening. Um, so if you have the knock in there that's so tight, like we were talking about earlier, and you get a pass-through, that impact, you know, if you if you have to, like, use a pair of pliers or something like that, you may get – you may break one because of that impact that it, it's taken to, to pop that off during pass-through. Um, so that's kind of why the, the tightness is important, um, to not have it extremely tight. But the other thing I would love to educate um, listeners on is just uh, that the type of material fobs are made out of is, is a nylon. It's a very specific nylon, but nylon is what is referred to as a hygroscopic material, which means that it likes moisture. Um, and if they dry out, then they're going to be more brittle. So for for guys that are listening, especially you, this is uh, – primarily a, a western podcast you, know, you talk about western hunting a lot so you're going to have drier climates out there um so all that means is you're going to need to maybe soak your fobs in water overnight um a little more often um honestly we again we don't have like hey do it you know every month or every six months or whatever um but if you start to see them dry out uh, or becoming more brittle just throw them in a uh, in a you know bucket overnight of water, um, and that'll rejuvenate them. The other thing is temperature. It's a plastic, right? So when plastic gets cold, it starts to to break and shatter. We can't fix that. So once you get to a certain temperature, you know any, under freezing, um, that's when shooting groups is definitely not advisable because you're going to break them. Um, so we just wanted to educate customers on that. That's another, those are things to consider when you're trying to prolong the life of your fobs. Um, so. Got it. Got it. That all, that all makes sense. So, um, kind of, kind of explain how they work, the durability, some of the setup, the testing, all of that stuff. Now, um, what do you guys offer as far as 
packages? Do you offer different quantities? Are they all one size package? And how much do they cost? Yes, so uh, this comes in the pack with 12 plus the clearance tester. Uh, right now, they're 30 bucks uh, a pop uh, for a pack. We've got a variety of colors, we've got um, arrow wraps as well, um, but and hats. Uh, but uh, yeah, 30 bucks for a dozen, uh, and it should last you a good while. 29 technically, but you know, who's <laughs> counting? Yeah. And, and you can buy as many packs as you want. And- Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And and as far as sorry to interrupt Adam, but as far as the size, uh we only do offer the twelve. We we may in the future offer smaller packs, but right now that's that's all we're gonna offer. Um until we see a higher demand for, for just guys that want to refill or something like that. So Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And then I saw on your website as well you offer a reflective kind of um wrap, arrow wrap, is that correct? Yeah, so we have uh, reflective and fluorescent. So, um, you know, we got both. Whatever you like to shoot, we've got either one. Got it. Yeah, it seems like that would come in pretty handy, especially when the the, the fob itself or the fletchings pop off, that you, you still have something on your arrow instead of just the black carbon. You're searching for that. Uh, it seems like that'd be a little easier to find your arrow without the fletching on there. So it makes sense. Yeah, definitely a best practice. <laughs> so, so what's coming down the pipe for you guys? You got you guys got some other stuff in the works. Are you are you working on some different um, diameter sizes? You working on some different materials, different designs? Like, what's what's coming down? Uh, can you give us a sneak peek on anything? Or are you just trying to kind of build up your dealer base and 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 ramp up the marketing? What's 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 to come for you guys? Yep. So um, we just launched the website in December full rebrand, uh, everything there. So all the track is laid right now. We are, um, you know, kind of getting our arms around the business, both on the consumer aspect and the dealer aspect. Um, we've got our dealer program ironed out now. Uh, we, right now we've got one shop, uh, but looking at adding others uh, for sure. So uh, getting some track laid there, um, we are going to be at some consumer uh, conferences as well. Um, as well as, you know, seeing some good momentum on social media, archery talk, uh, some others. Um, so more so on, on the company side uh, would be, you know, what we're looking at. Maybe some design changes to, um, you know, accommodate folks that might have string pinch issue would be, you know, kind of on the longer term plan. Um, but, yeah, so we're, what, about five, four or five months out of the gate as far as, you know, having our our system down and, and figuring out the business side of uh, soft. Yeah, and then and then the other thing is the the, the six millimeter arrow size is actually new. Uh, we we brought that on, and um, that's actually not quite available to purchase on the on the website yet, but it will be in the next week or two. Um, so we have introduced that that six millimeter um, size. Got it. Got it. And so what is the website? Tell us where we can go to, to check out more info and then some of the social media stuff as well. Yeah, uh, fobarchery.com is our website. We've got uh, Facebook. I 
I think it's fob or fob archery might be fob dash fletching only better. Um, Instagram fob archery. Uh, on the website, we've got some nice tabs on how it works, fob setup, uh, all our products, any info you want. You can, of course, call us, shoot us an email. Luke will t- typically answer. Uh, at least we hope he will. Yeah. <laughs> we're, oh, yeah. We're, we're keeping an eye on you, Luke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I don't answer that, it just means I'm on the phone with another customer. And you have to wait your turn. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think it's really cool, guys. I mean, um, you know, you've obviously believed in the product. You've used it for 10 plus years. I think it's awesome that you guys have recently acquired it. You're doing some rebranding. You're trying to launch it. Um, kind of again, so to speak, and and really hitting the ground running. I think that's that's great. I mean, I can, I can, I can definitely attest that that's no easy task. And um, you know, there's definitely going to be some tweaks along the way that you'll know that you'll kind of run into. But I, I just think it's really cool that you guys are taking the leap of faith and 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 going all out on this. So I I definitely appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having us. We love the product. We want other people to shoot it. Uh, become part of South Bob Nation. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, cool, guys. Well, I, again, I appreciate your time, and, and we'll have to do another episode at, at some point down the line, maybe talk some more hunting and, and uh, kind of go from there. But I appreciate you coming on, and we'll talk to you later. Yeah, man. Thanks so much, Adam. Take care. All right, and there it is, another episode in the books. Big thanks to the guys at Fob Archery for coming on the show. Had a blast talking with you guys and um, getting to hear the story and learning all the ins and outs of what Fob Archery is. So if you guys liked that episode and um, thought it was pretty unique, I encourage you guys to go check them out, fobarchery.com. And, um, you know, give it a look for yourself, do your, do your own research and, and, uh, figure out if it's something you want to try. I think it's a pretty cool concept. I mean, for me, like I described earlier in the show, I don't have an archery shop close by. I hate dealing with fletchings. I hate kind of doing that whole aspect. I just want something that works, um, that I can (laughs) put right back on if something breaks or I lose it. Uh, no sweat. Just throw another one on in a matter of seconds and you're good to go. So I think that's pretty unique, at least from my standpoint. As mentioned earlier in the podcast, we are doing a giveaway. So um, we're going to, the guys at Fob Archery were generous enough to take part. And here's what we're going to do. So we're giving away one pack of Fobs. Basically, if you win, you know, I'll link you up with them and you can choose which setup you want based on the arrow um, that you shoot. So here's how to enter. Step one, you have to follow Fob Archery on Instagram. So F-O-B Archery. Follow them on Instagram. You have to follow myself, Transition Wild, on Instagram. Step three, like the post that mentions this podcast on Instagram. So if you go to Instagram, you'll see this podcast episode highlighted um, in a post. So um, like that photo. And then you have to step four, tag two friends in the comments. So that's all you have to do. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything else. Just tag two friends in the comments. So again, step one, follow Fob Archery on Instagram. Follow Transition Wild on Instagram. Like the post that mentions this podcast on Instagram, my Instagram, and then tag two friends in the comments. You'll be entered to win 
a pack of fobs, and I'll announce that winner. Let's see, today is Thursday. I'll announce that winner the following Monday. So good luck. Hope you win. Now, if you don't, they have also offered a discount code for anybody who wants to check them out, test them out for yourself. So you can save 15% off your order by entering code WILD15 at checkout. That's W-I-L-D-1-5 at checkout on fobarchery.com to save 15% off your order. So it's pretty pretty cool stuff. So um, again, I appreciate you guys checking out Fob for listening to the episode. Hope you guys learned a lot, and we'll talk to you soon.